This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. There's been a shift for many B2B services companies in the past few years, and it's still happening, frankly. Even here at Primary Intelligence, the same shift has happened. More and more services companies have made the transition to selling software as a service. And it makes sense, right? If you think about it, it really makes sense. Software can be less expensive. It can be easier to scale. And there's other benefits as well for the business. But the transition from service-based to SaaS It's not for the faint of heart. Today, we're going to be talking exactly about this, this transition from service to SaaS. Joining me today is Chris Burke, ABM and Product Strategy Growth Director at The Marketing Practice. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. So before we hop into the the depth of these transitions and the difficulties and the, the yada, yada, yadas of service to SaaS, Tell me about you. Who who are you? Where do you come from? Tell me about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I like to tell people I've been a career B2B marketer. I've never been tempted by the dark side of B2C. Um, and yeah, I've, I've kind of been all over the world, really. Um, grew up in Dubai in the Middle East and had a great upbringing there. Went to university in the UK, um, kind of got my teeth wet and introduced to, you know, what marketing is and especially in the B2B space. Uh, and that's also where I found the marketing practice. So that's the company I'm with today, lovingly known as, as TMP. Um, so they have this beautiful little rural Oxfordshire barn where I first discovered, you know, the ins and the outs of, of B2B marketing. Uh, did a lot of work in those early days around strategy and account management, you know, just trying to find my feet if I want to be on the front lines or doing a lot of strategy in the background. So yeah, a lot of projects and programs around demand generation, channel marketing, account-based marketing work for the likes of, you know, your Microsofts, your Salesforces, your Oracles, those types of clients early on. Uh, but I always had my eye on to, you know, what was next and what the next opportunity was and was very fortunate to get the opportunity to come over to Seattle. Uh, that's where I'm based today uh, on the West Coast of the US. Uh, and my role today is, is quite different from where I started. So it's, it's much more specialized. Uh, it's a lot more focus on the development and the performance of our, our account-based marketing products and services. So that means a few things. Uh, it means that I lead our global account-based marketing community. So there's a number of people across the globe who are doing ABM day in and day out. So supporting them and making sure what they have. Uh, a lot of training, education, and enablement. So making sure that everybody knows how to speak to our ABM products, that we know how to sell it effectively that our clients are actually getting the most out of it. And then, you know, one of the important things as well is just around still practicing it, right? So it's still a role where I have a lot of contact with the customer and our clients. So really enjoy that element of it as well. Um, And I also support some of the other product owners in actually adopting some of the principles and new ways of thinking, right? So as you mentioned, this is kind of a new thing for us. So we're making sure that we're trying to do it in a consistent way across the business. So helping some of my colleagues that look after our demand gen and our channel products as well adopt a, a similar approach. So great to meet you, man, and excited for you to be on the show. I want to start with a big a big question, right? Let's start wide and narrow the, the funnel as we have our conversation. 
why do you think so many companies are switching from service-based to SaaS-based models? Why, why is this happening? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's a couple of things that, that stand out for me. I think first up is, is consistency. Uh, when you sell everything as a service, you know, if you're a service business today or if you were in the past, there's so much recreating of the wheel. Uh, you're not necessarily spending your time where it's going to have the most impact for your customer. And so I think, you know, a lot of organizations are seeing that as a huge efficiency, uh, inefficiency, sorry. So if you look to what's happening in the market today uh, and you look to, you know, the necessary pressures that are coming from you know, a recessionary downturn that is, you know, on the cusp of occurring, uh, I think a lot of businesses are probably reevaluating, you know, is a service-led business model actually the right thing for us right now? Is it the right thing for our clients and our customers, right? Um, I think there's also something around, you know, the recurring revenue aspect of it, right? I don't think we could, should shy away from that. With a services-led business, you're often, you know, uh, dependent on actually going out and hunting and time and time again, bringing in services-based revenue. Uh, so anyone with a professional services, you know, product knows the pain of, you know, not selling enough of that, right? So I think, you know, when you can lay out exactly what something will cost and over what time period, it creates a bit of clarity for you as a business. You can forecast more accurately, right? That that creates some, you know, quells the investor ranks when there's, you know, questions about how is the future and future health of the business going. It also helps your customer, I think, know exactly what they're going to get. That value equation, that trade-off, I think, gets a lot clearer when it does sometimes with the smoke and mirrors, I think, of a a services-led business. So yeah, those two things stand out for me, Ryan. Yeah, I see that. Okay. So I, I love that. And something that I've I've noticed, uh, we do win-loss analysis across every imaginable vertical that, that you can think of, right? And globally. And we, I don't know if we have a customer that isn't in the middle of this exact transition, moving from services right. standalone to services plus tech or tech enabled service. And with that, there's been this, uh, I've noticed in these, inside of these organizations, this evolution of people's or organizations relationship with data and expectations of that relationship. This is how I've seen it. Historically, it's been, give me data, right? I need a bunch of data. I need a bunch of data. I need a bunch of data. And that's evolved. That evolved from data to give me insights. I need insights. I need lots of insights. And in today's buying environment, in today's business environment, B2B specifically, we see the next step evolution happening, which is tell me what to do, uh, where their, their customers are wanting their um, services vendors that are tech enabled to not just share insights, but provide recommendations on action. Like, what do I do? around X. In other words, they want your expertise combined with the technology. Are you seeing this as well from a TMP perspective? Absolutely. You know, we, we work with a lot of clients who have varying different ways of actually managing a lot of their insights and, and their data, right? And it's never exactly in the format that they need to, to have it in, right? So Yes, they're going out and looking for opinions on how to improve the way they're going to market. But importantly, and increasingly, like you said, Ryan, they're looking for help at, you know, how do we, before we get to that step, how can we actually knock down you know, some of the silos within our business, some of the existing ways of working that are stopping us from getting that, that single pane of glass view of, of, of all the data about a customer and data about deals and just bring it into one place. Like that's really, really hard to do. 
especially at companies that have been around for more than 20 years where they have, you know, just a different, completely different go-to-market setup, different silos, aging technologies in a lot of cases as well. Uh, it's really hard. It's something we see all the time. And, you know, it's where, especially going into 2023, a lot of our conversations with, with clients we're leading us to is that exact, well, yeah, it's great to have that big, huge ambition, but there's some very foundational things that we need to fix first in order to enable any of that, right? Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like we're seeing the same things. We're going we're gonna to start to peel this onion a little bit, but I want to start with TMP, your, your organization. Give us some more context around what you've been trying to do at, at TMP with this transition. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the overall mission that TMP has had uh, over the past 20 or so years has never really changed. Um, you know, it was born out of a desire to be, you know, to offer a full service B2B marketing agency. You know, that's something that didn't exist when our founder set up the company uh, in the early 2000s, right? It was like, oh, I have to go to a telemarketing agency for this, a content agency for that, a strategy agency for that. Uh, so his vision was how do we bring all of that under one roof? and create a better client and customer experience because of it. You know, fast forward 20 odd years, that, that hasn't changed. What has changed, I think, is, you know, the world that our clients operate in and, and how we need to meet them where they are, right? And so we made a number of different things. I think, you know, over the last, uh, over the last, uh, sorry, again. Over the last uh, few years, we've made a number of different acquisitions. Um, we've acquired five new companies underneath the TNP brand now. And so that growth investment, that, that's really been a bit of a, a catalyst for what we're trying to do here at TNP. Um, you know, those acquisitions involve the number of new services, but also a number of new technology products, right? And so what we, we started to realize is that, you know, what we had under our roof was, was great, but there was more things under other roofs that we wanted to be a part of. And so rather than trying to recreate those ourselves, you know, we really looked at the market to see, you know, let's get the best of the best uh, underneath the TMP brand. And so what we soon realized is, you know, we're outside of our core competencies of ABM and demand and channel. And suddenly we have experience consulting. That's new. What does that mean? We have a account insight intelligence platform. That's new. What does that mean? And so we very quickly got to this point where we just needed a better way of categorizing and labeling our offerings quite simply and, and then actually being able to you know manage and take those products to customers in in, in a more effective way. Um, you know, you can imagine the confusion across a, a group when suddenly there are five new things we can talk about, right? People get lost in the the new and the shiny and all of that stuff happens. So creating some clarity, um, especially internally around you know what our products are, like how do we talk about them? just flexing some of that product marketing muscle a little bit as well. That's been a, a huge, uh, a huge thing we've been trying to do over the past 18 months to make sure that, you know, we successfully integrate those other products and services into our existing business model in a way that makes sense for our clients, right? It's not about saying, Hey, we've got five new things that we can bring to you and sell to you. It's about, Hey, that work that we're already doing, you know, that account-based marketing program that we're doing, here's how we could enhance that with some experience consulting. Here's how we could enhance that if we had an account uh, account insights and intelligence platform sitting underneath that. So yeah, it was definitely came out of necessity. Uh, it's very new for us. I think it's quite new. I, I'm not sure of any other kind of B2B marketing agency who's experimenting and trying to think more like a, a product 
organization. So it's it's been fun. It's been exciting. It's been new. Uh, and yeah, born out of necessity more than a specific use case, but it's something that we found immense, immense value in doing. Okay. So I, I love this. Let's start. You gave me an opening and I'm just going to start to peel it open a little bit. Let's talk Absolutely. about those challenges. Um, being first to the marketplace has its its benefits, right? Being first is first. I mean, excellent. Also, trailblazing, right? Also difficulty, figuring things out that haven't been done before, which are also exciting, but also but extraordinarily challenging. What are the main challenges you and your organization have faced in this transition? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's probably two categories of challenge, um, one internal and, and one set that's external. So I think internally, you know, it goes back to that confusion I was talking about. Suddenly, you know, you had people in one part of the organization who were very comfortable selling and managing one thing. And it's like, oh, there's something new over that fence and something new over that fence. Squirrel, what is that? What's that shiny thing over there? Literally, right? So there's an immediate need to like stop that from happening because that's not going to be a good experience for anybody. Uh, So we did a lot of, you know, work trying to figure out, you know, what are some of those internal tensions going to be before we we started to to integrate those organizations and, and that did help a lot there. But I think the main internal challenge was just around the education, both, from like a sales perspective. So as a seller, how do you take this to market? But also in the actual, how the way the work's done, you know, new processes, new approaches, new templates, new ways of working that each of these products and services demanded that was often atypical uh, to what people were, were used to, right? And then I think, you know, internally, uh, externally rather, um, it was it was slightly different. It was, you know, making sure that the clients and the customers who are already using our, you know, our core competency suite of, of products and services weren't going to feel, you know, abandoned by all of these new things that we still had those core competencies. You know, it's not that we're changing what we do as a business, we're adding to it and enhancing to it. And so I think on both sides of that equation, it was very much an education challenge that we knew we would have to overcome, um, you know, even down to making sure that, you know, we weren't being too forward or too paired back in terms of when we were taking these things to market, right? Because there's always that desire. It's exciting. It's new. People internally want to use it. They want to get it in front of clients and wheel it out. Uh, But just a need to do that really thoughtfully. Um, I think across both of those, we actually had a bit of a challenge around, you know, creating the space for the product team to exist as well. It's new. It's, you know, it's something we haven't done before. So, you know, having to build that business case for why a product team needs to exist in an organization that hasn't had one before was really, really challenging. And, you know, there was a ton of support for having that happen, but we just had to be really deliberate about the way we went around it. Um, I think I mentioned before, you know, we still practice. I'm still practicing ABM and account-based marketing. That's a really important principle for us, but it means that you have to be better at balancing, you know, the work and the demands of the client with the work and demands of building and enhancing your products. And so there's definitely been some challenges around that. And to combat that, of course, we've been trying to grow and expand the team, make sure that we have, you know, dedicated owners who are able to manage those products. But yeah, that's more of one that's kind of spreads across both the internal and the external. What, which has been more difficult that you, you mentioned education and finding that um, I hate the word balance. Cause I don't believe there's, I, mean, I don't know anybody that's balanced, man. And nobody's balanced. It's just, you're focused here. You're focused here. You're focused here. You're focused everywhere. It changes in, in, in flux, but 
you know, and changes. Tell me, uh, what was more difficult, the education internally or the education externally of your customer? No, this is, this is a great question, Ryan. Uh, I, I have to say internally. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm shocked, right? Yeah. I'm actually shocked. Tell me why. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I think it comes down to a few things. Firstly, you know, we're not just standing up a product function. We're also integrating five different businesses, five different businesses that have different sales motions, that have different, you know, project management tools even, right? Everything's slightly different. And so we had to find a way to talk to five people from different agency backgrounds about a product in a consistent way that made sense for everybody, regardless of your experience, right? No mean feat. So we had a group of people in one part of the agency who probably didn't even need the training or the enablement sessions, right? And we had a completely different group who needed it like so badly because their agency just specialized somewhere differently. And so trying to find a common thread and narrative to, to tell all those people a similar story and get them all up to that same base level of awareness and understanding, that was really challenging. I think, you know, our clients, you know, they, they're excited by the opportunities that having all of these new capabilities would bring for them and, and, you know, for their growth story. So I think it was a lot easier on that side because they, they didn't have to deal with the messy middle of actually how it all works in practice behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, definitely more challenging on the internal side and mainly just by trying to create a consistent narrative, consistent materials that would get everybody and lift everybody up versus, you know, one part of the business knowing everything about everything and another part of the business still only knowing, you know, what they came in specialized to do. Yeah. So, okay. That makes good sense. You gave, okay. I'm no longer shocked. I now I'm now aligned <laughs> to the internal was, was more difficult than the external. I, I want to talk about measurements. Uh, one of the big transitions, um, you know, moving from a, a services to SaaS type organization is learning how to measure success differently because they are not the same, right? Very different animals. And so how have your KPIs or how you measure performance changes as you're transitioned or transitioning from services to SaaS? Yeah, no. It's, it's absolutely has changed. So, you know, one of the, the first things we realized we needed was, you know, our, our business health metrics are there. They, they kind of stayed the same. But one of the things that was needed was a, a product performance dashboard, essentially, because, you know, even though we'd had products and services before, we'd never categorized them as such. So we didn't really have a clear understanding necessarily of, you know, how many were present in each client, you know, how many clients have ABM and demand generation and channel, for example, right? We just didn't track it. We had the data, but we had never tried to pull it together into a single view. So one of the first things we, we did was, you know, try and work out exactly what we'd need as part of that product performance dashboard. And so, you know, we had to start thinking about metrics like, you know, number of products per client, you know, how many <laughs> does each client have? What's that growth year on year? You know, how do we take a client from, one product to, to three products. What does that journey look like? And, and how long does that typically take? Uh, we also started to look at things like, you know, gross margin by product area. Some products are inherently harder and take more investment and effort internally to sell and deliver. And we never factored that in before. And, and we had to start doing that because, you know, it allows us to see where we maybe need to be focusing our efforts on improving something, optimizing or automating something a little bit. 
Um, so we've, we've got a ton of product specific um, metrics now by, by geography, by client type, uh, you know, even knowing, you know, which clients typically have which solutions and in which order, right? That really is helpful for our, for our, for our account management team because they can really understand for a company that's in a high growth stage that is, you know, between one and $5 billion in revenue, here are typically the products that help them best. So there's, there's been some really interesting, you know, it's not just all about the, the revenue and the performance side. It's also about how can we better align the right products and services to our client's business? And we just never had that data before. And it's been a really valuable exercise to be able to, to bring that together. Okay. So uh, KPIs changed, measurements changed, data, the way that you're consuming, the insights that is provided, all of that has changed. Let's talk about changes in market positioning. So so what changes have you seen in the way that you market or position TMP? Um, a few. So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we, we used to have our, you know, our trinity of ABM demand generation and channel as our three kind of key pillars from a marketing and a to market perspective, quite honestly. So everything used to ladder up under those. Uh, one of the things we, we started to shift to is, is less about you know, those specific silos and more about the idea of, of growth. Uh, and as a you know, helping marketing, helping our, you know, our clients become the growth engine uh, for their business, right? And so you know, we recognize that you know, what our clients would typically come to us for is, is shifting a little bit. You know, they don't want to come to us just for sales enablement or building a website or generating leads. They're coming to us because they want to be the growth engine or they have a growth challenge that they're looking to, to overcome. And so, you know, through a number of different interviews with our, with our customers and our clients, we started to realize that, yeah, there's actually a bigger thing going here, going on here. And it doesn't matter the specific products and services we pull together to solve it. The challenge we're trying to solve and how we should be going to market is this idea of helping businesses marketing functions become the growth engine for their organizations and you know that's not necessarily a new idea necessarily but it's been accelerated i think there are more and more clients we speak to who see themselves and see their marketing functions uh, as doing that right and so what that's meant is we've had to change you know a few of the the ways that we typically you know launch our own marketing campaigns right so one of the, the, the main changes was actually saying, okay, which of our products and services um, solve the immediate needs for our clients? What's going to solve the growth challenges of today? And what's going to solve the growth challenges in, in 12 months time? Whereas before we might've just gone out with those three broad pillars. Now we're thinking about you know, what is the right thing to be saying based on the market, based on what we're hearing from our clients, based on you know, where we see the market heading. So that's been a really interesting shift. And it's meant we've had to get a lot tighter and quicker with how we turn around content because things change, as you well know, Ryan, it's the shifting sands out there at the moment in terms of what's important and, and where to focus. Uh, but we've also, I'd say, got more specific in certain areas too. Whereas before we might talk about the benefits of ABM for existing customers as a topic or an area, now we're thinking about, you know, let's specifically drill down into customer lifecycle marketing and how can we take some of the principles of ABM and apply it to that and run a campaign and, uh, and, and promote that idea because we're seeing it benefit our clients and our customers. And so iterating around that idea and getting that out into market a lot quicker than before has, has been a really interesting shift. So yeah, less about 
less about our kind of holy trinity of, of ABM demand gen and channel and more about how do we solve growth challenges? And the, the way we solve growth challenges is by bringing different products and services together into solutions that, that do exactly that. So I'm assuming this new positioning, both internally and externally, has led to innovation or evolution in the way that you sell as well. Is that a fair assumption? Absolutely. Yeah. What's changed? Um, yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic question. Like we can't just say we're we're doing this without also practicing it internally, right? So I think the biggest change is just the way we go about diagnosis, diagnosing what the challenge is in front of us. You know, that's something that's always been a tenant and a core core principle is, you know, we don't just sell in something because we we feel it's right. We sell it in because we know it's right and it's the right thing for the business. And so one of the biggest changes with the new you know, focus on products has been actually working out which of those products come together to form the right solutions. So whereas before we probably traditionally, you know, client would have a growth challenge uh, or a challenge rather, we'd identify ABM, say one-to-one account-based marketing is the right solution, and we'd sell that in. Now we have a much broader matrix of different products and services that we can combine together. And so I like to think about it as, you know, our products are like the pieces, you know, if we, if we use the analogy of, of a kitchen design process, right, you're building a new kitchen in your house. Um, our products and our services are all the individual parts. You know, it's, it's the microwave, it's the fridge, it's the countertops. The diagnosis and kind of the solution design around that is somebody coming in and working out how to pull all of that together. How many light switches do we need? What color are the countertops? You know, do we need six? Do we need eight? And so the way we sell now is less in our individual silos of ABM, demand, channel, and more about how can I combine, you know, our one-to-one ABM product with our account intelligence platform and experience consulting to solve the growth challenge that our client has. And so it's just a far more sophisticated way of, you know, diagnosing a problem in collaboration with our clients, right? Because we, we do it through collaboration. It's never a go away and work it out in a dark room type of thing. Um, and I think I, I've personally seen the immense benefits of that. And it's allowed us to make sure we're getting you know, the right combinations of products and services to drive you know, the right types of outcomes for our clients based on where they are in their journey. It's, it's stopped us you know, selling in the wrong thing or suggesting the wrong thing because we're better able to slice up exactly what we can sell. And that's been a huge benefit, making sure we're squeezing the ROI because we're really making sure that exactly what we're going to do is exactly going to solve the, the, the growth challenges they have in front of them. Yeah. That fit to need is, is one of the most important things that we found from our research is we, we, we call it understanding business needs and there's layers, right? There's layers of understanding and it's not just tick the box for the table stakes business issue that they're trying to solve. There's much more. So as you're describing it, it sounds like you've got a great play around that. But before we continue our conversation, you, you, you mentioned something that I have to, I have to unpack. Um, so you're British um, and you mentioned uh, microwaves in the, uh, in, in kitchens. So um, tell me, do you have an opinion about boiling water in microwaves versus like in a teapot? Is there, is there a, just, just solve this debate for me right now, because I've heard lots of, lots of opinion about this microwave <laughs> or teapot on the stove, which is it? My, my, my public service announcement on this is if you're not using an electric kettle, you're doing it wrong. There, okay. There's no other way. <laughs> 
Okay. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. You heard it here for, well, not first, but you heard it here definitive. It's over. The debate's done. Go get yourself an electric kettle. Got it. Thank you. All right. Now coming back, we've talked about positioning. We've talked about changes in selling, right? The changes there. There's a major problem for almost every services organization that we work with that has transitioned or is transitioning to a tech enabled. And that is implementation of the technology because implementation of a services project or a services relationship ain't the same. Those things couldn't be further from, you know, further apart. Um, what, how have you tried to deal with this, both from an internal and external perspective um, in terms of paradigm shift or other things to help the implementation go smoothly? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. And I think, you know, first and foremost is making sure that, you know, none of our, tech products are necessarily standalone. They can be eventually, but that's not the way that we like to pilot uh, and introduce them. You know, we make sure that we do have that services layer to make sure they're set up in the right way. Um, you know, eventually a client being able to, to take more ownership of that and use it in a way that's flexible to them, sure. But initially when we're trying to, you know, connect the dots, get the right, you know, APIs in place, break down those silos, get everything into one view. What we found is, you know, the, the product never being sold as a standalone has really helped. And I know that won't work for every business and every business model, because sometimes that is the optimum way to sell it. It's like, we don't want to be in there. Let, let them do their thing with the, with the product, right? Uh, for us, it's slightly different. It's a little bit more hands-on. And I think having it be more hands-on has really helped make sure that it gets implemented in the right way, because we do have that human touch there to, to nurture it. You know, our our account uh, insights intelligence platform, for example, is quite flexible. So it can be very customized to the needs of a client. It needs a human hand in there to say, you know, regardless of what you're trying to connect into it, which CRM, which map, um, you know, which dashboard software you use, there's a way to connect it up. But we need the human hand in there to, you know, help guide what the right decision for, for a business is. So I think externally with the client, that's kind of how we've solved it there. And internally, it's just about, you know, trying to get people hands-on with, with what the, the technology can do, right? For so many of us who have been just used to services and brains and, and writing, you know, things that come out of our heads, we write it down, it builds a strategy or it creates a great bit of creative. Letting people understand, you know, well, what kind of technological product do for an organization? What does it look like? That tangibility of a product versus a service making sure people are exposed to that and can start to understand that, even if at first it might seem more table stakes and, and more foundational than the work that some people are used to being, to, to being able to do. Um, that was really key for us is making sure we had that kind of epiphany moment for most people. So uh, I'm so glad that you said that this, um, this implementation space is a, a black box where customers can have a wonderful purchasing experience, buying experience, right? Your marketing, your positioning is, is on, on point. The sales team comes in, understands needs, demonstrates they get them. It has an exact fit and closes the deal. And then it gets to implementation and it's like, wah, 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 wah. you know, it's, it's the experience just tanks. We had this exact issue at primary intelligence, just being totally transparent here. Mm. 
when we were going through this, we had the worst implementation process, I think, on planet Earth. We were horrific. And the funny thing is, we knew from our own win-loss research that implementation and the, the ease and speed with which impl implementation happens is paramount to the satisfaction, long-term satisfaction of a customer. We, we had to do some soul searching. Let's, let's call it that way. Soul searching and major, major paradigm shifts. And then the uh, supporting systems, policies, and process changes in order to, to truncate and make the, the implementation period uh, more of a, a benefit than a, a hindrance. Um, for you and your organization, and, I, and by the way, I'm proud to say that our implementation today has gone from a weakness to a strength, which is wonder. It's a big deal for us. To, I'm not going to break my elbow, break, you know, pat myself on the back or anything, but it's, it's, it's a big feather in our cap. I'm curious for you, how have you created alignment while going through this transition across the various business units, the, the acquisitions, the cultures, the people, all of it, how have you created alignment while going through this transition? Yeah. Um, a fantastic question. It hasn't hasn't been easy, you know. No, we've no. Really, we've really lent into it as as a challenge that you know we're all in it together in terms of solving. And I think you know there's a few things. Some of them are more around the way that we behave and and act and 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 interact with each other. So we've really looked at refreshing you know what we call our ways of working, the way that we approach problems together as a group, the way that we raise tension and solve challenges together. You know, we have a lot of principles around, you know, working in the open, you know, open over closed, progress over perfection. A lot of key tenants like that have really helped, you know, because they're organizational, organizational wide, everyone's kind of behaving and acting in that way. So the fact that we were already going through a bit of a cultural transformation in that sense was really helpful as we were bringing these organizations together because everyone was, being taught to shake off the shackles of whatever place they'd come from and adopt a new single, more unified identity. So that was that really helped because it meant that, you know, we 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 were all feeling and operating and acting like one company from quite early on, or as early as we could, um, past uh, what we could do. The 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 biggest thing I think we did was about, you know, identifying who the people that could almost be the, the guiding light for each of these products and, and services as they came in within each part of the organization. So regionally identifying who's actually going to be able to bear the flag for account-based marketing in a region where we know we don't have the, the head of that product sitting, right? Who's going to hold that flag for our experience consulting, you know, making sure that we had a network of people who you know, self-volunteered to, to be the ones to represent like, hey, I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to say, I know a ton about that product or that service. I'm really confident in it. And I want to have you know, my name on someone you should go to and ask for advice. You know, there are so many people that stood up to play that role. And you know, we, we couldn't have done it without those people because that's how we create scale, right? It's having more than one person who knows how to do the thing. <laughs> And, you know, often that isn't the case. So I was very proud of the fact that people really lent into that and put their hand up for that and were really open to being, you know, re-educated or retold a story that they may have heard before in, in a different way and really lent into the product education uh, and familiarization, as we called it, phase of things. 
to really making sure that every single product, every service has a very kind of formulaic step through of, you know, what's our point of view on it? What does it mean for our clients? Why is it important? What are the different scenarios in which it can make a difference? How do we deliver and, and, and actually do the work? You know, what's the process, the internal, you know, templates, tools and processes to get the work done? Being able to step through that just helped create, you know, this operating manual for every product and service that has, you know, whether you're a day into your life at TMP or you're 10 years in, there's somewhere you can go and refer back to this and say, ah, I, I, you know, if I followed this, I'd get a pretty good outcome. And that was kind of our goal, right? You know, say no one could communicate to each other. Could we create a set of documentation, training and enablement that would let someone do a pretty good job, right? It wouldn't be as good as if they were able to collaborate with all their amazing peers. But could we, could we create that document that would, would do that? And so that's been a really helpful process and help create some of that alignment uh, even just creating a common language, Ryan, like, oh, this, you know, massive, massive, Oh, calling things the same thing. So, you know, the, the, the building of a glossary, um, you wouldn't believe how many different definitions of ABM there could be until you tried to build a glossary around, you know, what's the specific definition of one-to-one -one ABM crazy, right. But doing things like that, were a really deliberate, uh, deliberate approach to, to try and create that know alignment across the different teams alignment across the different geographies as well okay so winding our conversation down here chris um if you gave if you were to give a single piece of advice to our listeners right and uh, somebody who might be either thinking about undertaking this kind of transition or if they're in the middle of the transition heaven help them uh you know what advice would you give to our listeners um, to, to help them down this path? Yeah. I mean, I think the number one piece of advice, you know, even if you're a fully services led organization and you have no intention of, you know, building a SaaS product or building a platform, there's so much inspiration you can take from those types of organizations, from the SaaS companies, from the product focused world, even just from product marketing and product management forums. You know, that's where I've spent a lot of my time is just being immersed in it, you know, seeing, you know, reaching across the aisle, being curious about how somebody is managing a, a technology product at a big, you know, B2B enterprise technology company has really helped me rethink about some of the ways that we approach our work, you know, things like innovation, right? The innovation cycle for a product is so much more comprehensive and specific than it ever would be for a service, but you can apply a lot of the principles and it's really interesting to stretch your thinking trying to, you know, do an agile sprint for a service, right? That's where some of our early experiments were. Didn't always work, of course, right? There's differences. But I found a lot of inspiration. A lot of the, the things that our product functions built on today were things that we tested and just brought across from, from that space and said, will it work here? Uh, and, you know, uh, creating that space for safe experiments that aren't going to, you know, ruin your business or ruin your relationship with your customers is, is the perfect place to start. So, so please don't be put off. There's a ton of lessons to be found, even if you're still a services-led business and, and always will be, you know, don't be afraid. Uh, I think often people worry that, you know, doing, going down that route might take away a bit of the magic, you know, oh, we're going to have less contact with our customers. It's going to be more of a hand over the product and there they go. But actually from experience, what we've found is that it often helps you speed up and create consistency across all those foundational bits so that you can actually spend more time with the customer. 
because you're doing, having to do less of that foundational work. So yeah, don't be afraid, reach across the aisle, uh, join some forums, just get in the space where people are talking about those things. I guarantee you'll learn something uh, that you can implement in, in your own business. Beautiful advice, Chris. And thank you. Thank you for your insights. And thank you for being on the show today. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, yeah, good luck to all those other organizations out there doing something similar. Right? It's tough, but yeah, it can be done. Can be done. And listeners, for more from our friends at The Marketing Practice and from us here at Primary Intelligence, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.